0: Hey everyone, welcome to this special episode of the podcast, special because I get to interview my sister and certified human potential coach, Leva. You're going to learn so much from her about the steps to take if you're overwhelmed on any given day, how to set goals that are intrinsically motivating, the power behind having one priority per day, and also the relationship between goal setting and cultivating hope in our lives. And honestly, so, so much more than that. I hope you really enjoy everything she has to offer just as much as I did. Welcome to today's episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast, where we offer bite-sized lessons and steps that you can implement as a part of your journey towards becoming the very best that you can be. This is your podcast host, Brigida Bornstein, And just so you know, for planning purposes, we release a new episode the first and third Tuesday of every month with some amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. I hope you'll return my handshake to you. You can do that through becoming a part of this community on Instagram, my website, bestyoucanbe.com, or by subscribing and leaving helpful comments. Hello, Leva, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so thankful for you taking the time to hop on
1: today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to (laughs) be here.
0: So first, to everybody listening, Leva happens to be my sister, so it's going to be hard for me to get through this without (laughs) giggling and just being my normal youngest sibling self, but she's absolutely brilliant, and I want to introduce her to you a little bit. She is a strategy consultant and certified human potential coach, which I love. I think that's the coolest title ever. And with that, the certified human potential coach, she helps high performers live with joyful productivity, purpose, and well-being. Her focus in her coaching is specifically on behavioral science, embodiment, time management, and also health coaching. So speaking from personal firsthand experience, she really knows what she's talking about. And I'm really excited to ask her some questions for everybody to listen to today. So Leva, I wanted to ask you first, if you would just be able to share with us a little bit of your story, stepping into this space that is now the present and productive brand planner, which we'll get to later, uh, and podcast. So what brought you into what you're doing
1: now? Oh, thank you so much, Vida. And first, I have to say, really appreciate your very generous introduction. And you also have been encouraging me every single step of the way on the crazy journey that I've had from just endless curiosity about behavioral science and um, goal achievement theory into creating my own planner, and then finally launching my coaching practice and business and and growing it every crazy, messy step of the way. So your encouragement plays a huge role, and I am really deeply grateful for it and honored to be on your podcast today. Um, As to my story, I've always been really fascinated by behavioral science, the why we do what we do and how to design an environment that makes... Motivation, accountability, just thriving easier. So we're not always pushing ourselves or doing the grind, as people call it, the hustle culture. Um, I realized early on in college, I went to a very intense college that people were constantly glorifying how busy they were. And they weren't really achieving their goals. It was almost like uh, by complaining and talking about how busy we were, and checking everything off the checklist, that was great, but it was just creating this self-perpetual cycle of endless to-do lists. I call it now the tyranny of the to-do list. Um, instead of really giving people the space that they needed to sit down and think, what am I doing? Like, what is my purpose here at college? And what am I learning? And where am I going? And how is this term paper setting me up for success in the future? And, um, And then after college, I started consulting with organizations and I was doing strategic planning, which is where you look at how an organization is performing and you break it down into different departments. You create a mission and a vision and sort of a new path to figure out how they can create those business goals. Um, And I was so depleted until one day I finally realized why am I not doing this in my own personal life? And that really sparked this. Now, more than a decade-long journey into personal improvement and creating a life strategy and all of these um, behavioral science pieces that are so, so helpful, but take a lot of diligence.
0: I like what you said about how we always just kind of talk about like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't know why we tend to do that as people, um, but it's almost like this label to be proud of. I also liked what you said just about how you don't always have to kind of like grind day in, day out to get the the goals that that you've set for yourself, because I think that's one of the top things I've actually learned from you over the past few years. And that's something I've had to, and I still think I've got a little bit of a ways to go. Um, but that's something that I've had to really unlearn because I am so, you know, whatever that, that one quote is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, where you can just work hard, 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 hard and do whatever, but then you're just exhausted. So thank you (laughs) because that's been hard for me to unlearn, but um, it's been working great so far.
1: Well, It's been really fun to hear that and to watch you shift your own culture um, because a lot of people need to, I call it almost reclaiming the joy of meaningful work. I mean, work is a great love hopefully, ideally, that each of us has when we are cultivating our strengths and our talents. But when we're working in today's culture, if we're not conscious or conscientious about how we work, we really can create that depleting cycle. Um, that's where I was right outside of college, where Monday, I would be starting with peak energy. And then that hustle and grinding culture was just depleting. So you're trying to just survive your own schedule and then every weekend becomes kind of recharge time. You're not really able to leverage it for like constructive play and recreation, showing up for meaningful connection because you're so exhausted, you're just trying to prepare for this no- other week ahead. So it's been really wonderful um, to watch you flourish in that, but it really is a practice and countercultural.
0: Yeah. And I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. I I wanted to ask you. So a little bit more specifically into one of the things you help a lot of people with and very specific to right now, January of 2022. Wow. Another thing you've really helped me with a lot over the past few years is not only setting goals, but you've helped me to be able to set goals that I can actually stick to which is huge. So I wanted to ask you whenever you're working with people or doing a podcast episode about it what are some tips that you give people during that goal setting process.
1: Ooh that is such a great question. I think that goals are so important. The reason that I think goals are important is because they create a pathway to hope and I think cultivating hope is so critical. Just as a life skill, it really is a practice. I just read this book, The Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, and she specifically says cultivating hope is a practice. Um, and it was so affirming to read that, but um, having hope really means that you have a goal, you have a pathway towards achieving the goal, and you have belief in your own abilities and confidence. So when I approach goal setting, I always approach it with this framework. That we want to be setting goals that are challenging and meaningful, yet also appropriate for our lives. And most importantly, I really encourage people to create that pathway of hope by creating bigger goals and then breaking it down into those smaller time blocks. So, what I mean by that is having a yearly goal. Yes, that's wonderful and important, but then breaking it down into something where you can really focus. what you're going to do just in the next 90 days, the next quarter. Quarterly planning is so important. You see it everywhere in the business world, and um, it applies just as well to our personal lives because we need to keep our goals fresh, but then also breaking it down into really clear monthly goals so we can know every month what what it is that we're doing and how it's contributing to our quarterly and our annual goals, breaking it down weekly so we know what a successful week is going to look like. And we can have that reflection time all the way down to your daily priority. When you can create that kind of a funnel, so you know the priority you're going to do, you're defining your own success, how you're going to win the day. And that that win for the day is setting you up to succeed on your annual goals and your bigger life mission and vision. It creates the deepest kind of intrinsic motivation that we have. So you know every day the work you're putting in is not just going into this hamster wheel, but it is actually little by little impacting your greater purpose.
0: Would you mind explaining the significance behind why you said daily priority instead of daily
1: priorities, plural? Oh, yes, that's one of my (laughs) favorite little... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> etymological geek out moments. Um, so one of my favorite books is Essentialism by Greg McCohen. And in that book, he illuminates that the word priorities in the plural form did not exist until the late 1800s. So after um, the Industrial Revolution, that means that the real word priority, the real use is only in the singular form because we can only have one word priority. Too many priorities, it it pulls you into too many directions, and then you can't move the needle. It's so, so common. I can't even tell you how many times, Brigitte, I've, um, especially in an organizational planning situation, sat down with the CEO of an organization, and they've said, okay, these are my 17 priorities. And instantaneously, I know, no wonder your company is confused right? That, that's just too many priorities. Uh, we need one priority to keep us focused at any given point in time. And then yes, there are other goals and strategies and objectives. And we're also trying to create that life balance. That's where having one priority on the micro level is so important, but also taking the time to step back and do more reflective sessions to make sure that we're staying in balance as we, we do balance different priorities in different areas of our lives.
0: Okay. That's interesting. So one priority on the micro level, as in like a daily priority, if I get this done and nothing else, I can feel good about this, but that doesn't mean we can't have multiple goals at once, of course. Cause I, I mean, I did your, your new year goal setting workshop and I chose three goals for 2022 Is that maybe something you could explain, like the differentiation between singular on the micro level, but you can still have many
1: big goals? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, So, even on the macro level, it really helps our brains focus, stay motivated. Just remember when we start to get stressed out and anxious, if we have one priority. So, on the daily, it's absolutely critical. That's our smallest building block, you know, daily having that kind of micro intention where you're clear on what I'm going to do today. What am I going to do with this hour? Critical. But you can also harness the principle of having one priority when you have what a lot of people call their mission, or a lot of people call this their word of the year. They have kind of one way where we describe how we want to show up. And what's so powerful about being clear on that one priority, whether it's on your day or for your week, or for your whole life is that when the going is difficult and we start to feel fear, we get that um, you know fear response, our heart rate is elevating, we have trouble breathing. Having one priority is like an anchor. So in any situation, if you have a mission for your life or a vision for how you want to show up in the year ahead, you can use that as a cognitive anchor to reduce that fear of uncertainty. A lot of fear and anxiety comes comes from uncertainty of the unknown. We don't know how we're going to meet and rise a challenging situation. And when we have that clear priority, we're defining our own um, source of success. And it it really helps lower that anxiety level.
0: And I feel like it's very important to lower the overwhelm because I know a lot of people, I mean, actually, didn't you say that A lot of people who were invited to your goal setting workshop and declined said it was because of, um, they don't set new year's goals because that's too scary. And I feel like maybe that has to do with some of the overwhelm for not even wanting to start because it can be so overwhelming and scary, right?
1: (laughs) You're absolutely right. Yeah. I believe that setting a goal is truly an act of courage. One of the deepest acts of courage um, that's another piece of research that Brene Brown echoes, which was really affirming because when you set a goal, you're claiming an identity that you don't yet have. And that intrinsically means you're recognizing that you are falling short in some way, big or small, depending on the size of the goal. Um, so recognizing our own room for self-improvement, it literally causes pain in our amygdala, that reptilian part of the brain. And, and it takes courage to decide yes, I'm better than the pain. I'm stronger than the pain. I'm willing to risk the pain in order to invest in a stronger future, which is so incredible. But going back to your question about setting two to three annual goals, you know, once you have that big mission or vision, Um, or your core values, it is helpful to have a couple of different goals, two to three, just to recognize that we have different parts of our lives that we need to address. So the minimum of, of two goals is what people prefer. That gives us an opportunity to have professional and personal growth. When we're too focused on a professional goal, it's so, so common. I'm sure that you've seen this before to get so focused and you make progress in that area, but then like every other part of your life sort of crumbles or, or goes away because we're, we're hyper-focused. And that's why I really encourage people to set at least a personal and professional goal. Some people have three goals because, uh, well, they could be like me, I have two different professions. So <laughs> I need a goal for each of those professions, or they might have um, a hobby or a physical fitness pursuit or some kind of third area of their life that's that's really rich. But in general, it's critical to balance at that macro level of annual goals, but also the daily level. So every day, you're not just giving yourself, pouring yourself into your profession, but you're also cultivating meaningful relationships and those other things that really contribute to the vibrancy and richness of life through having a personal priority.
0: Yeah, for me, I think I did one professional, one personal, and kind of one, uh, the third one also personal, but more like spiritual or like focused on my faith journey. So those are my, my three categories. Another question I wanted to ask you about uh, goal setting is something I'm so excited about. When you first told me this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most brilliant idea ever. Um, and it's something you've coined called core goal setting or the core goal system. I guess I think it's absolutely brilliant. And I was wondering if you could walk us through each of those four parts and why they're all so important.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, um, as part of my content creation, I do a lot of distilling of research, behavioral science research, and I just love acronyms. I was super excited as I was revisiting and refining um, the goal-setting approach really with an eye of how do we set goals that are as intrinsically motivating as possible. Those are the best goals because they're connected to us. We're not relying on an extrinsic reward. So an extrinsic goal would be like uh, wanting to put something on my resume or wanting to achieve this goal so you get an end-of-year bonus or so you get an A at the end of the ser- semester. Those are all extrinsic rewards. Um, whereas intrinsic goal is really coming from that inner fire and inner fuel, that inner sense of purpose. So the core goals, I'm <laughs> so excited to be sharing this. Is my first time sharing the core goals acronym publicly, but um, they're, they just explain four areas that help boost that intrinsic motivation And also, when you have them all aligned, increase your ability to get into creative flow work, meaning that state of work, when you're experiencing joy, you're fully engaged in the work, you almost have that out-of-body experience, like those other voices in your head really quiet down and you're just flowing with your focus on the work. So these types of goals will set you up to experience that type of work, which is, um, for most people, the deepest and most fulfilling aspect of work, of their professional lives. Mm -hmm. So the core goals, to give it to you, C-O-R-E, the C is character-based, meaning that they're intrinsically tied to our personal development goals, to our core values. We have that deep personal connection of of meaning and purpose. We're growing as a character. Um, The O is for outside your comfort zone. Goals, are exciting because we aren't yet the person who can achieve it, but we don't want it to be too exciting, just a little bit challenging. There's some really fascinating research that shows 4% is like the best way to challenge ourselves, 4% outside of our skill level or our comfort zone. So it's not um, a crazy, impossible goal. It's just a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but we actually need that struggle and that challenge to find work meaningful and to get into the flow state. And then R, know. yeah, isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. We need that, that challenge and struggle that we have to struggle a little bit until we get into the flow state. Wow. So cool. Um, so the R stands for realistic, balancing out, like stepping outside of your comfort zone, rooted really in reality. Um, it's just, it's too demotivating if you pick a goal that is unrealistic. Then your brain really can't figure out how to create the pathway that it needs in order to get to that goal. And you'll sort of feel that pit in your stomach, like, I'm never going to do this. So having something that's realistic, recognizing what's on your plate, what current roles and responsibilities do you have, where are you now, where are your skill sets now, really important to do that work so you can set yourself up for success and then the final part of the acronym is E for embodied. This is the most fun one. When you set a goal, you should have that feeling that it's not just in your head. Mm-hmm. Most traditional goal setting happens in our free cor- cortex where we make decisions. We think this is what I should do. This is what I should be doing. Wouldn't it be good if I did this? A real intrinsically motivating goal is going to activate your whole body. So you'll know that you're using the whole body brain. You're deeply excited about it when you have this expansive feeling in your chest, like your heart is getting a little bit brighter. You might sit up a little bit straighter in your chair. Your eyes should light up and kind of pop out. Um, And then your head actually tilts upward a little bit. Your whole body gets a little bit straighter. That feeling, embodied feeling of being lit up is so important because we remember things. We encode them with our emotions and with our emotional experience. So if we're going to find really meaningful, intrinsically motivating goals, we need to tap into that emotion and that embodied felt experience when the going gets rough, when we're struggling, that will continue to fuel us. And it's great. I use it, the embodied um, sense as like a little bit of a sensor of what goals do I have maybe because someone said at some point in my life that I should have that goal and what goals are actually authentic and going to be meaningful and purposeful in my journey? Uh, Because the reality is setting a goal, it truly is a a sacred journey as we're uncovering who we are and and how we're living and what we're bringing into the world.
0: Wow, that's really good. I want to ask you more about how to do the the embodying part but first just to make sure i've got it right so it's core goals are character based outside of our comfort zone realistic and embodied did i get that right perfect okay great (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and well on the character based part you also said that they tie into our core values so i was wondering if you could go back to that really quickly and just like explain what that is, maybe give examples or something.
1: Well, how much time do you have on the podcast? Because that would be my whole entire goal settings um, studio workshop. I mean that's um, sort of the signature approach of of how I approach intrinsically motivating, creating the core goals process is really mm-hmm. getting to the heart of what makes a goal meaningful. Um, again, like I, we were talking about getting to that intrinsic, sense, because the truth is when we have an idea of a goal, like, wouldn't it be great if I got a new job? What we're really trying to find is that feeling of waking up every day with a little bit more purpose, excitement, engagement in our work. And what's underneath that? Well, what we're really trying to find and chasing that feeling behind an accomplishment is an opportunity to live out our core values. I also call this the the core self, our most authentic self, you know, having a better job, feeling more purposeful gives us an opportunity where we feel like we can really live more authentically and and purposefully.
0: Who wouldn't want to do that? I'm just sort of like listening to you. And of course that's not news to me um, because I've heard you talk about this so much, but like Just hearing that, like, wow! I who wouldn't want to be their most authentic self and live out what's most important to them and what they do? Um, But I don't want to forget. I did want to just go back to the embodied aspect of core goals. So you said something about how when the going gets tough, that embodied aspect and that. Feeling that your goal should light you up, you can sort of go back to. How do we put that into practice, sort of practically speaking?
1: That's really where the intentionality comes into play. Right when we're reviewing our goals on a consistent basis, um, like we talked about at the beginning of our conversation today, on a monthly, weekly, daily basis, we're tapping into that embodied feeling and we're really using it as fuel and inner fire. to to keep us going and propelling our momentum. Um, So you could even, once you have that embodied feeling, you could trick your body brain into tapping into it again by resuming that posture, right? So if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm really feeling like I'm grinding away on something, that's not how I want to be doing my purposeful work. It's depleting, it's depleting my energy. It's depleting, um, adding to your stress levels. Usually, creating tension in your body. I can pause, be a little more intentional, shift my body into that that positive embodiment state, and instantly I'll be reconnected with that intrinsic motivation. So it goes it goes both ways. Not only do you want to notice those goals that light up your body, but you can then put your body into that position to tap into that energy once you've set your goal
0: that is just the coolest (laughs) (laughs) it really is i would like to shift gears a little bit so away from goal setting specifically to productivity you are a productivity expert seriously for everybody listening like leva is one of those people where you just kind of shake your head and you're like how does she do so much in one day i have no idea um but i wanted to ask you as a productivity expert What is some of your top advice to someone looking to make each workday more productive? So I I know we already touched on having one priority, um, but just like other things that we could put into practice to maximize our productivity.
1: The easiest, quickest way to make that shift from feeling like you're spinning your wheels into feeling that sense that every day you're waking up with purpose is to have a shutdown ritual the night before. Okay? What do I mean by that? The I'm sure you've heard the saying that we prepare for the next day the night before. So many people in today's work culture especially never shut down. They continue to work and they're, you know, working just trying to get things off of their checklist because when you get something off your checklist, you get a little hit of dopamine. It feels good. It becomes an addiction. Um so they're getting that dopamine addiction but they're not giving their brains enough time to really calm down and have just clear space, space for divergent thought where we're just walking around, maybe doing the laundry and our brains are, there's less of a cognitive load. So most people are overloading our own cognitive ability so much. If you're one of those people, you'll know it because as soon as your head hits the pillow, like your brain completely lights up it's on fire, right? All the kind of thoughts that have been in the back of your head. Now is their only time to come out. So they're going to come out and they actually keep you awake and it creates this negative downward spiral. Um, So that's why having a shutdown ritual where you're intentionally planning for the next day, you're preparing your workspace, you're closing any of those open loops. So you've, you know, Any unfinished emails are taken care of. You're mentally signaling to your brain that the workday is finished and this is what you'll do tomorrow, but you're not going to do it today. And then you're planning when you're going to have your focused time the next day. So that one priority that's going to win your day tomorrow, you are going to bed knowing when and where you're going to do it and get it done. And that will wake you up with clarity that you know exactly how you're going to win the day. It's such a better way to wake up.
0: (laughs) That is definitely something I can wrap my head around because I'm thinking of all the times I don't do that. Like if I don't stick to any sort of a shutdown routine the night before, I'll wake up and kind of be in a little bit of a funk maybe. But I have noticed that that specifically on days when I don't take the time to just open my planner and kind of look at, okay, what is the one thing tomorrow? What does my day look like tomorrow? Then I do, I do wake up like that and I'm sort of like, well, what am I here for? <laughs> um, so that's funny how such a small thing can make such an impact. On the flip side though, what happens if instead of a productive day, our day is kind of following the snowball effect and At least for me, and I feel like plenty of people can relate to this. If you're overwhelmed by one thing, then it'll just kind of keep. That's why I said snowball effect. You'll get more overwhelmed and more overwhelmed, and you just kind of don't know what to do. So I was wondering what you do or suggest that we do when we're in a situation like that in our day.
1: That is such a great observation. Um, As soon as somebody notices they're in the overwhelm, something is not working with your self talk. That's often the the cause of overwhelm. So there are a couple of different strategies. I really recommend this strategy from Marie Forleo of just deciding to say no to overwhelm, making it a practice that when you realize your brain is going into that overwhelm, you say, no, I don't do overwhelm. That is a quote. I can't even tell you how many times I've written that down. I don't do overwhelm. I start feeling that snowball effect. I stop and I literally say it aloud. Hey, Leva, I don't do overwhelm. That can be really powerful because we need to stop that snowball effect before we can address it. And another great approach, if you have the emotional bandwidth and the time, is to find your wins and start celebrating your wins. So when you're feeling too many overwhelms cognitively and it's loading up, It's probably a signal it's time to shift gears and put something positive into your brain. Regain that confidence in your own ability. And for a lot of people, that means listing your wins. We celebrate our uh, wins. Sorry, we focus on where we're falling short 80 to 90% more than we focus on where we're succeeding.
0: 80% to 90%? Yeah,
1: that's how the that's how strongly the negativity bias is weighed towards focusing on our negative thoughts, right? Because the idea is our negative thoughts keep us out of danger. They, or they used to, when you think of evolutionary biology, they don't really keep us out of danger that much anymore. Although um, they certainly serve a purpose. If you're having a lot of negative thoughts about a deadline, maybe it's time to talk to your manager or your professor about how to renegotiate that deadline. So they absolutely can be helpful, but just being mindful and taking the intention to combat overwhelm by celebrating your wins will really help you reset and get out of that emotional um, state that overwhelm is that can create a system of paralysis. Like it paralyzes your whole body brain system. So you can actually have the mental clarity to create a path forward of how you're going to survive through the rest of the day and get everything finished
0: paralysis is definitely a good descriptor for it where where would something like um i i think you did an episode on this in in your podcast where would something like visualizing your time come into like if you're able to stop that overwhelm in it's track say i don't do overwhelm like where does visualization of the rest of your time come in
1: Absolutely. So that's one of the core skills that I teach. And then I coach people on is having um, like a map, a calendar map. So you can visually check what your mind is telling you about the time that you have and how you're spending your time with reality. Because our minds encode time, not based on a clock, right? But based on emotions, I can't tell you how many Times I used to be doing the laundry and I would just dread the laundry. And in my head, it was taking, you know, half an hour, a whole hour. In reality, it was taking 10 minutes. So being able to map out the time and have that external clarity on where your time is actually going, how much time you actually have, it really helps you set realistic deadlines and calibrate your own expectations. And then if you actually are running out of time, You can use that map, you know, with your manager, literally, to say, okay, I understand you want me to do this task. Tell me what other task I should not do in order to free up the time for this task that you're asking for right now.
0: That's Yeah, that's really useful. But I can see why somebody would need coaching on that because I honestly... um... not sure that I could just start that right now. (laughs) I said we were going to get into the planner, which I'm obsessed with. Um, And I would also like to give a small, shameless plug that was not asked for about it. I have personally wasted so much money in the planner aisle of Target each year (laughs) for years. (laughs) I mean, seriously. like, And I would get more than one a year because I would go. I would spend so much time flipping through all the planners trying to find the perfect one to fit all my needs i would finally settle on one i knew it wasn't like perfect i would take it home and i would find out this is just not working for me this is making me busier my to-do list is never getting any shorter and i really dislike this and i just always felt super disorganized and i feel like this is a very related relatable feeling for most people um and i i I was thinking about this, but I actually am struggling to remember exactly when I started using your planner. I feel like it was maybe two years ago. Is that?
1: Like a year and a half ago is when I started taking the planner um, that I had been designing and tweaking in my own search for the perfect planner journal uh, (laughs) that would be consolidated in one place just so I could feel less scattered. I could know at all times, okay, if I had a goal, a task, a thought, an idea, it was going in this one place. Mm -hmm. I was not going to be losing it on sticky notes anymore. Uh, But that's when I started having people ask if I could share it and kind of making it um, available for some beta testing. So thank you for being one of my original beta testers and helping me improve planner journal.
0: It was life-changing and I think everybody needs their own present and productive planner. I don't even care if you've never used a planner before but I was wondering if you could just walk us through a little bit of that researching process because I know that it was a very long process for you. I know you put just tons of um, behind the scenes. I mean I didn't even think twice like oh yeah of course you would have to put you know research and look at Uh, studies to come up with a great planner that works with people's minds. But um, I was wondering if you could just walk us through that process and what went into it and then some of your favorite parts of your planner, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So a couple of years ago in 2016, I had multiple different jobs. I was a student and I was applying for more jobs. So I was just juggling a lot of things um, all at the same time and that really made me need to focus and get to the next level of productivity and planning of just to kind of keep all those balls rolling in the air and figure out how I was going to move forward. Um, At that time, by the way, it's worth saying I was dead set against goal setting. I thought goal setting was really silly and that would be a whole other conversation for another time. I was not a goal setter at all. So <laughs> if you struggle with goal setting, I truly, truly empathize and have been there. Um, it's hard. But as to the planner, the more I was learning about behavioral science and ways to set ourselves up for productivity, the more I realized that our traditional planning approach, which most people learn in like fifth or sixth grade when they first have to change classrooms, The fifth or sixth grade, 10 or 11-year-old approach does not work as effectively uh, when you're in the professional world, and yet it becomes our default. Mm -hmm. So I was learning all these principles and ideas and techniques, but I needed a way to consolidate my thinking and put it into practice. There's a really big gap when it comes to productivity in people's minds between knowledge, so knowing what a productive strategy would be, and then practicing it, meaning implementing it. And that's where I turned to the behavioral design uh, to design something that I knew would really support my brain to remember all the positive things, um, to continue have the right mindsets. That's a huge piece. That's why I call it the Present Productive Planner Journal, because about half of it has to do with planning and goal setting and doing that great time mapping that we were just talking about. But Another half of it has to do with keeping our mindsets positive and like primed and also addressing on a consistent basis, our fears and our worries and our anxieties. Because if we don't address that, we just put our blinders on, we grind, grind, grind. We can really easily end up somewhere that we don't wanna be.
0: Totally brilliant. Well, I love it. Anybody on here interested in asking any firsthand questions about what it's like to use this planet that we're talking about, please ask. Leva, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with
1: today? I said this at the beginning of the podcast because I love missions. My mission really is to help high performers, innovators, creatives reclaim the joy at work. I deeply believe everyone should be able to create meaningful, purposeful work, bringing their whole self. To that work. It's so important. And it's such a gift to be able to partner with uh, people in learning the skills, the mindsets, and the tools that can help bring that work to life. You know, if you felt frustrated before, or like you just aren't a productive person, it's not a character trait. There really are skills and anybody can learn them. I'm speaking from experience, again, as someone who is dead set (laughs) against goal setting. So I just would really encourage and invite anyone to please reach out and schedule a one-on-one call. Um, I have a great process, a time management audit, where we can just connect and sort of talk through what are your current strategies and figure out what is that gap that is preventing you from getting to the next level? And what are the most effective uh, behavioral science tools that can get you to not just achieving more, but enjoying your your work on a daily basis and showing up more as the person you want to be um, at work and in your personal life.
0: Such a beautiful mission. I think it's so encouraging to recognize that, you know, struggling with not being productive or struggling with direction and purpose is not, What defines us? It's something that we can totally work on and change. So, for those of us who want to reach out to you, where are the best places to find you?
1: My website is presentandproductive.com, present and productive, all spelled out. And that's where you can join my monthly newsletter, which has really fun, actionable tips and insights. You can hop into my podcast. And I would also welcome anyone to just send me an email. I'm a really small business. So um, referrals are, are really important. And I truly re- love getting emails, getting messages, celebrating with you, hearing your feedback. My email is leva.hendron at gmail.com. And I just have to say, one of the things I've been the most proud of in my small business journey has been watching Brigida grow in her podcast. I know mm-hmm. that the podcast came after your adoption of the President Productive Planner <laughs> Journal and all of the important, difficult goal setting work that you did, lay the groundwork for it. And then that daily work of just showing up uh, with intention and um, succeed just as you've succeeded, Brigida. And I hope if anyone has a dream that they're struggling to figure out how to bring into life, that Um, you'll reach out.
0: Thank you so much. And I'll put, I'll put all your contact information and your website in the the show notes, but thank you so much for joining me, Leva. This was so fun. I could have asked you a million
1: more questions. Thank you so much for having me. And I am super excited about how your new core goals are going to fuel you um, throughout 2022. Thank you.